Hey everybody, welcome back. So today's episode, I kind of wanted to talk about failure and why it's good to fail. And I kind of wanted to share my personal experience with failure. And I've I've failed a lot over the years. You know, it's just been so many different failures. And and what I wanted to talk about has how you have to have a certain mindset to see failure as a positive. And what I mean by that is early on when I was in school, I I tried everything I could to not fail. And it was more of a, I don't know if it was like lack of confidence. I would say lack of confidence, low self-esteem. You know, I grew up in, in poverty and, you know, people saying you're not going to amount to anything. And they would always give you, you, you hear these stories from people that, you know, they come from I guess, bad situations. And they say, you're either going to, this is what they would tell, tell me is you're either going to be in jail doing drugs or dead. And that's kind of like the, uh, and you hear from, from other people, maybe different variations, but that was kind of what it was. And, you know, you were, you would, you would see everyone. And this is a weird thing. It's, it was like, I've heard other people talk about it and I kind of, I definitely can relate to this because it's, it's kind of like a, like a bubble you're, you're in, like in your, your little small city, especially if you're from a small city and you're just kind of stuck there and you're just gonna, you know, there's not many career options there. And so it's not really a, a good environment, but yeah, I tried everything to not fail. and that prevented me from getting out of my comfort zone. Like everything I did was comfortable. I I hung out with the, the same people, things like that. And I never wanted to do anything different. I was always like paranoid about, you know, getting into trouble or doing something I wasn't supposed to, even though, you know, I, I believe my parents, you know, they raised us, you know, to, you know, do right. Not, you know, things like that. Like, you know, don't be hurtful towards others and make sure you're always doing the right thing. But they didn't always talk about it. They just kind of, I guess it was implied and we kind of knew, Hey, don't do anything bad, but I don't know what it was. I just never wanted to do it. And it wasn't until after high school where, you know, I was just like, man, I just want to do something different. And I always had these ideas of what I wanted to do when I grew up and I always had goals like be a millionaire by 30, um, move out of, you know, my small city and go to a different place where there's more opportunities, finish school, get an MBA, you know, all these things that, that I always had a goal that all, that all happened after high school. And it was a shift in mindset because before, and there's a, there's a great book that it's called mindset. Um, and it talks about two different mindsets, the fixed mindset and the growth mindset. And I think early on, I had that fixed mindset, even though I, I was always thinking about the future. I've always been, I don't know, I guess people would say that I was just like a dreamer thinking about different things, different ideas. I always was curious about how, or how things work. And I was always taking things apart and wanting to fix them and do all these kind of things. But I guess that mental block, it was just there and just hearing everyone say things to me, like, like I said, you're you're either going to be, you know, in jail 
doing drugs, you're dead. And that kind of stuck with me and I, I couldn't move past it. And the weird part is that after I've read so many different books and listened to so many different people, they all talk about this too, is that after when you tell yourself something over and over and over, subconsciously, you start to believe it. And it becomes a point where it's just in there. And it's like the first thing that pops in, like, nope, you can't do that. You know, you, you know your three options. That's, that's all you can do. You're always going to be here. Nothing's ever going to happen. So you're kind of stuck there. And I think once I turned 18, it was just like, I'm tired of doing this. Like, why, why should I listen to what are other people's opinions about me? Why should I make that a point to believe it? And it wasn't until then, and, and prior to this, I, I, it's, it's kind of weird. It wasn't like a, as if I read a book or listened to somebody, because back then, YouTube, yeah, YouTube wasn't around. Um, so the internet was fairly new. Uh, so you didn't, I didn't have, this was back, back in the time where you actually had to go like to a bookstore and grab these books and actually read them. So there wasn't like a digital book that you could, you know, look on your phone or your smartphone and look at all that. That wasn't around. It was just like the Nokia bricks or the 5300 or something like that. Anyway, so it wasn't anything like that that kind of shifted like something happened. And I was like, oh, you know what? This is what's going to do it. It was, I remember I had a conversation with my dad. I guess I could relate my change in mindset from this is right before I was graduating, I had my mind made up that I wanted to be, become a mechanical engineer. I wanted to design um, the Mustang, the Ford Mustang. And so I wanted to go to school, learn this, work at Ford, and eventually be able to work on the Mustang and help redesign and things like that. And so I was, and this was weird. I, I was going to, at the time, I was a technical school that I wanted to learn how to, you know, build motors, work on cars, things like that. And I was going to kind of slowly work my way into somehow transitioning into a mechanical engineer. I'm not sure what I was thinking there because I would end up having to work and then go to school and, you know, go into an engineering program. But anyway, <clears throat> so I was, I remember I was walking out the door and my dad was at the, on the couch and he was like, Hey, you know, have you decided like what you're going to do? And have you thought about college? And I was like, you know, I know I want to go to UTI and I want to work on cars. And I remember he was like, you know, is that really what you want to do? And he was like, you know, I wish I could send you. To, he's like, I don't have any money to send you to college. And I wish I could send you to college. I wish I could pay for it. So you didn't have to pay for it yourself. He's like, but do you really want to, you know, grow up and be like me, you know, pretty much busting his butt, breaking his back outdoors, you know, solid manual labor. And he was like, if you're going to be working on cars, you know, it's, is that really what you're going to do for the rest of your life? And I was like, I mean, I, I guess, I mean, this is kind of what I want to do. And so I'm, you know, I want to be a mechanical engineer. And he was like, I just don't want you to follow in the same footsteps and end up where I'm at, where, you know, you, you have to work really hard and be in long hours outside and in the sun and doing whatever you can 
to pay the bills. He's like, I don't want that for, for any of y'all. And so I was like, no, I know. I understand. And I think that was the point where I remember thinking like, what am I going to do? I, I, I don't want to lo- work long hours. I don't want to work outside. I don't want to do manual labor. And I was just like, what do I do? And, and that was like, I don't know if that's what I needed to hear or, but I remember like after that point, I, I, I think it was like a few days left. You know how, you know, if you've, if you've been to college or you're thinking about going to college, they have like registration dates. And I think towards the end of the registration date, like the last couple of days that you can register and it was late registration. I remember this, <clears throat> the last couple of days to register. I don't know what made me do it, but I was always scared to go up to college and talk to an advisor and do all that to register. But I was just like, let me just go. And I remember going going through the whole process and I was just like, yeah, I want to sign up. And so they they sign you up to take this test and you do this test. Like I think it was the same day or the next day. So I take the test and then they're like, okay, then you can enroll. So I sign up and then they hit you with the fees and I'm just like, how am I even going to do this? And for some weird reason, I don't know how this worked out, but every school has like a payment plan. Like you, I think it's like broken up into three pieces. But the amount that I needed was it's like $483 for the first payment, including that there's like a fee for doing like the payment plan. That was exactly how much I had in my bank account. I remember this. It was just like, it's like it was meant to be you always. I don't know if anybody ever, ever experiences that where something happens. It's like it's, it's like a sign. You just feel like, man, it's like it was meant to be. And that's how I felt. I was just like, I'm supposed to do this. And that pretty much started it. And I would always think like, no, I'm not going to let the way people feel or they think about me. I'm not going to let that dictate who I am. And that kind of changed. And then that's when I was starting to look to do new things and try new things just so I can fail and continue to learn. And I think one of my biggest failures was I started this business and, you know, when, when you first start a business and I remember thinking like, this is, this is what I want to do. I want to start this business. It's going to, you know, take off and you kind of use that momentum and, you know, that positivity and you're just like, man, I'm going to do this no matter what. And you put in the long hours and you're just so excited. And so you kind of use that to fuel, you know, the long hours and not being tired. And I was just so excited because everybody was telling me like, no, you can't do that. You can't start an investment firm. It's just impossible. It takes too much money. It takes so much time. And I just remember like, well, I'm going to do it. I remember telling, I think I remember he was like, I've been doing this for 25 years and it's just way too hard to do. And you can't really start it. And you always need to work for somebody. And I was just like, I'm going to do it, you know? I, I don't think they wanted me to leave and they wanted me to, to work for them. And, you know, and it was just in my mind, like, this is what I'm going to do. And nothing, when you have that, and I know a lot of people have experienced that when you have that idea that just fuels you, that it's just like, that's all you think about. That's all you want to do. That's where you work and it doesn't feel like work. And it's just like, no matter what anybody says or does, you're just focused on it. 
And you hear a lot of people talk about this is that never lose focus of your vision, that you always have to be focused on the vision. And that's kind of how I was. I was like, no, I'm going to do this. And I started it, you know, extremely fast. I just started doing research. Like, what do I need to do? Okay. You need to, you know, reach out to the Securities Exchange Commission, fill out, fill out paperwork at the federal, at the state level. I did everything. And it was just like, man, this is going. It just didn't seem like it was I, that I could be stopped. Everything started the business, did everything, went, purchased all kinds of things to get started, and then started working on it, did really well. And then I don't know what happened, but it just started to slow down. And it wasn't like anything was wrong with, you know, it wasn't like 08 where you had the financial crisis. There wasn't anything going on like that. I mean, the stock market was doing great. It was just like, I just kind of just hit a slump. And for the, I'd say the next couple of months, as I would see that it wasn't doing as well, I just stopped caring. I lost focus on the vision, on why I was actually doing it. And I was more focused on trying to generate revenue. Now, revenue is important, but I think it overcame my vision. And I think that's what kind of made me lose sight of it. It made me focus all on trying to generate revenue because, you know, you have to you have expenses and you have to you have to keep going. And in order to keep a business afloat, you have to generate revenue. But what happened is when I started focusing on that, then my mind was like, no, I need I, I need this amount of, of clients. This is exactly what I need to do in order to pay these expenses and keep the doors open and things like that, and the lights on. And it became work. It wasn't fun anymore. It was just like, what am I doing? Like this is I hate doing it. And it was to the point where, you know, it was just like I would dread Mondays. And you hear a lot of people saying that. And I get it. I was I was there. I was just like Sunday. I would just start counting the hours until I had to go to sleep because Monday was right around the corner and I had to go back and work. And I never felt like that before. Where it was where I was I knew the vision and I knew what I wanted to do and you know, my vision was always to help people. And, and this was something that I noticed in, in the investment or securities or, you know, whatever you, stock market, when it comes to people investing their money in the stock market or retirement or insurance, life insurance, whatever it is, the Hispanic or Latin population or communities are underserved. And I, I, I would always see this and you would see people, I would talk to people early on that would lose a loved one and they didn't know what to do. Like the, the bills are still going to show up. And I, one story that, that sticks out to me, and I always remember this, and I always tell people that, you know, when I talk about life insurance or we're going through a financial plan, I talk about life insurance, they say, ah, oh, you know what? I just don't have enough to, to cover that or life insurance is just too expensive. And it's like, it's not expensive. It, people think that life insurance is expensive, but it's really not. You hear these, these ads and I've, I'm sure a lot of people have seen them or heard them where they say, get, you know, a million dollar policy for like 
a hundred dollars or ten dollars or whatever it is, but it's extremely cheap. Like you'll see policies for like a hundred thousand, two hundred fifty thousand term policy for like eighteen dollars, depending on on your age. And there's other factors, but it's not that expensive. And I remember this this couple that she was she had told me about. You know, her husband was sick. They didn't. They were looking for life insurance, but they couldn't afford it. And I remember this because a few years had passed by and I reached out to them, you know, just doing courtesy checks, just saying, Hey, you know, is there anything that, you know, I can help you with in the past? You know, we talked about it. It wasn't the right time, you know, just doing follow up. And she told me that he had passed away and they never got life insurance. And this couple had a mortgage and all these bills. And what most people don't understand is that that bank or whoever owns that mortgage, they're, they're not going to be sympathetic. They're not going to say, oh, you know what? I'm sorry your husband passed away. We're just, we're going to waive the rest of the payments. No, they won't even do that. They won't, they probably won't even waive the next payment. They want that money and the bill collectors, same thing. And you have to remember, Texas is a community state, meaning that, you know, when you're married, everything that your spouse owns or owes, that's both of y'all's. So when that bill collector says, oh, you know what? He passed away. They'll find ways to say, well, you know what? This is also your debt. And so it's just, I just hate seeing, I hate hearing those stories or hearing people say, no, you know what? It's just too expensive. And they really don't look at the overall picture, what life insurance really is and what it's there for. Nobody likes paying. I don't like paying it. And I, I'm in financial service. I don't like doing it because it is intangible, meaning that you can't grab it. You can't hold it. It's a, it isn't an item that you can say, yep, I pay $60 a month for this item right here. You don't. It's just there to protect in case of you or your loved one passes away. You're not left with the mortgage or car payments or bills or debt, funeral expenses, all of that. And so it just sucks whenever, you know, I hear those stories. So that's, that was my vision. And I lost focus on that. And I I told myself, you know what? I just can't do it. I can't do, or I can't keep going on this pace and just worried about revenue. And so I was just like, it just didn't work. And it's hard to, to let, especially if you're a business owner, it's extremely hard to say that you failed or to shut a business down. And in most cases, it's extremely hard to even consider, you know, reorganization. And that's kind of what I did. I had to step back and said, you know what, that, you know, this isn't what I wanted to do. And so now I'm more focused on, you know, educating people about, you know, financial services and creating financial plans and budgets and, you know, insurance and how these things work without, you know, being focused on man, I got to generate revenue to keep the expenses and, you know, pay expenses and do this and, you know, pay employees. And it was just like, let me just do it because of the vision that I had. Do it because I'm trying to solve a problem that that's out there that, you know, that, that I see and, and people talk about and they, they always say, man, I wish I had help and wish I knew this back then. So that's kind of where my mind was and that's where it is now. So I'm more focused on, you know, providing the education, whether through 
podcast or video or YouTube or whatever it is, that's more what I'm focused on and how I'm trying to build this business now to where it's more focused on the education and the content and helping people that typically can't afford it. Because a lot of, when you go into try to invest, most banks and most investment companies will say, well, let's talk about how, what your assets are. How much do you have available for investing? And if you're, if you don't have a minimum, I think most of them are a hundred thousand, even some are 250,000. If you don't meet that level, they're not going to want to work with you because it's not, it's not profitable for them. So if it doesn't, if it doesn't make sense financially for, for these companies, then what do you do? You know, you're, you're stuck, you know, trying to, to do the research yourself. And a lot of the stuff is out there. You can find it. Uh, you, you can read through it in books, watch videos, look at all these things that people talk about, but you have to do, you have to know what you're looking for. And I always say this is like, and people have probably heard this word. It's like, you don't know what you don't know. So how do you know what to look for? You need somebody to, to kind of guide you and tell you, Hey, look, this is what, this is your current situation. This is what you should look for. This is what you should, you know, research. And sometimes people just don't want to do the research themselves. And that's where they need professional help. And then when they seek professional help, they can't afford it. So, and, and this happens too with, with companies. I see this when they have like the retirement plan, 401k. A, a lot of times, I would say probably 90% of the time, when you start working at a company and they say, hey, we do, you know, retirement plan, 401k. You go through a site that you sign up, like you go through it and you're like, hey, you know what? I want to contribute 10%, 5%, whatever the company matching. You go through those steps and then at the end it tells you, okay, what investments do you want to pick? And you're, most people are left there thinking like, what am I supposed to pick? How do I know? And you'll have these little question mark help sections where it just tells you stuff that the average person isn't going to understand. So then you're left thinking like, Hey, what did you pick? Okay. I'll do that. And I hear this a lot where it's like, well, what did you pick? Okay. And it's just like, Oh, what did you? Okay. Uh, All right. So everybody picked this investment fund. Well, I guess I should do that too because everyone else is doing it. And then everyone has a different situation. So you don't really know. You don't want to do that because it's not matching your situation. So it's just tough when you, when you see that or you hear that and I, Talk to people that are like, hey, what what should I pick? And it's like, well, I can't tell you. Tell me a little bit more about your situation and I'm willing to help you. But that's the problem is that all the information is out there. It doesn't matter what it is. Like you can find information on anything, on how to do anything, how to build anything, you know, how to be successful. And this is where it just takes knowing what to look for. And if you don't know what to look for, then it's hard because then you're, you're left thinking like, what am I supposed to be doing? And what am I supposed to be looking at? So that's where I come in and that's where, you know, where I want to take it now. So that's why I say that, you know, sometimes failure is needed and don't hold on to it too long to where, you know, it just completely dies out like your idea or business. And it's just, there is no other option than to, to close it down. But just, you know, it's always good to, to be at that point where 
you're looking at what didn't work and let me fix it. Let me change it. So that's kind of the steps that I took. It's like, okay, why, what, what happened? Where did I derail from the plan? And that's where I ended up seeing that I lost focus on the vision and I was more focused on how can I, how can I pay expenses? And that, that's not to say that a lot of people are going to go there. It just, you just need to figure out what, what, what the vision is, you know, really like what you want to do and what caused it to fail and, and change that, you know, try different things. Sometimes it's going to take a lot of failures. You're, you're going to try another thing. It's not going to work. You're going to try something else. It's not going to work. And you'll keep doing it and doing it and doing it. And eventually you're going to learn so much from those failures that you'll be able to find the right path and that'll put you where you need to be. And even when you find that success, don't forget to always, you know, take a little risk, try to find that failure so you can continue to grow. And so that's very, very important. And it's kind of, I kind of wanted to share that because I hear people when I, I look at, you know, different forums and I listen to different podcasts and that's kind of what, you know, up and coming entrepreneurs or business owners or whatever they're calling themselves now. Um, you just always constantly want to improve, but staying true to what you're passionate about or that vision, why you're doing it. Because there's going to be times where if you lose sight of that, it just feels like work. Like, man, I got to, tomorrow's Monday. I got to do this all over again. And nobody should, should go through that. So just kind of want to share that story and kind of give my input and my opinion. But yeah, thanks for listening.